What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the 1025 Podcast. This is episode nine. I'm Jordan along with Ashanti and Kristen, and today is a special day. It is my 20th birthday, October 25th, but enough of all that. Kristen, take it away. All right, so today we'll be talking about the presidential debate. All right, so would y'all like to speak first? Um, might I? Yes. All right, so obviously, can you guys hear me? Yeah. No, my mic messes up. So obviously, um, the political climate is very contentious right now. So whenever they went up there, are two pundits from either party, the tension was definitely there. Donald mm-hmm. Trump continuously talked over Biden and Biden tried to stand his ground, but we all know he has a history of not being the best public speaker. So I know people were paying like really close attention to that, but I wanted to talk specifically about the most recent debate and how they ended up tweaking the debate rules. So where the mic will be off when another person is talking. And I would just like to say, I think that helped a lot um, in helping people understand the party platforms a bit more. But regardless, both of them are being pretty moderate and trying to get in like as many voters as they possibly can. You can see that. And that kind of like irritated me because like what Kristen said before, they're not, they're not talking about the most contentious issues right now. They're just being very vague about it. And right. while, go ahead, keep talking. No, I was saying, right. I was agreeing with you, agreeing with you. Yeah, I, I understand that, but it would have been nice to hear them like actually have a plan for like police reform. Mm-hmm. Um, like Chris said, it would have been nice for them to talk about the different marginalized groups and how they're being or how they might be affected by this police reform. It's just what people really wanted them to talk about. They weren't talking about and they're trying to do it as a way to not push away possible voters. Mm-hmm. And I'm not I'm not really with that, man. <laughs> like, like the thing is with me is that for you know the past four years when you know Donald Trump is saying make America great again, I always ask myself, okay, he's saying it, but how is he going to make it great? And during this debate, you know, they were they didn't really speak a lot of on police reform, like um when Kamala Harris and Mike Pence were on had their debate, they were talking about you know the Breonna Taylor situation and all that type of stuff. And I do like that added um addition to if someone is speaking, then yeah, cut the mic off because it's very rude to speak over somebody, basically. Yeah. So they also brought up Obamacare, and both of them kind of want to get rid of it. But Biden wanted to create this thing called Biden Care, which I really think is the same thing. But, you know, exactly. Essentially, pushing more and more um towards universal health care. Can y'all hear me? Yeah. yeah. Essentially, pushing more towards universal health care. So we have to stop making it um politicizing this. Everyone deserves a form of free or um, non-expensive health care. And um, like you said, the plan followed the exact outline of Obamacare, but I think he named it Obamacare because Obamacare has just been stigmatized as a thing that's just going to be the ruin of the Republican Party, as a thing that's just going to be the ruin of American democracy, which we know that it isn't. But that's that's why I think he called it Biden care because Obamacare is so stigmatized. Yeah. And Obamacare has been scrutinized for the past four years. I remember when uh, Donald Trump was, you know, running for president. He was he was talking all this junk about Obamacare. Oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna destroy it. You know, it, nobody's gonna have Obamacare. And I'm seeing myself. I personally thought it was a pretty useful thing, you know, yeah. for people to have because healthcare. Not a lot of people can really afford healthcare. So, 
this is a good alternative, I, I guess. So I wanted to ask, I um, actually wasn't able to finish all of the debate, but when Biden brought that up, did he specify like how it was supposed to be different from Obamacare or was it essentially just an outline of Obamacare, like you said? He said he would make it to where there's more competition in the healthcare industry and everything. So he would make Biden care, he would reduce the premiums and he would take away pre-existing conditions. So and he said it would be $750 billion over the course of 10 years. All right. So is it more of a way to make more money or is it like more of something that's going to actually help, you know, many? It's supposed, it's supposed to help us because when you have competition, the private insurance is going to end up lowering its prices. So um, that's good for the customer. But like I said, healthcare shouldn't be cap based off of capitalism. Every, I think you need personal healthcare. And I think he only introduced um, Biden care to keep the moderate voters and instead of just saying universal health care, because apparently that's socialist. But yeah, but Donald Trump had already tried to call him out for that anyways, because he was saying that that would be socialism, despite having multiple avenues of health care. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard you, health care should be free, you know, just like school and other stuff that a lot of people really need, you know, in the world. I feel like yeah. it's should be free. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> All right. And then I also kind of noticed they kind of beat around the bush when they were talking about certain things. Yeah. Yes. They're, they're staying moderate. Like, I hate that. Like, instead of actually speaking on things, they just attack each other for the, what they've done in the past for it. And I'm like, that's not really proving your point of what you support and don't support. Yeah. And you to help this country, you know, prosper, yeah. progress. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Crap, just Bye. in your past. I'm sorry, Shanti. Well, no, no. I was just going to say, Forget all the crap you were doing in the past. Focus on how, you know, how is the next generation going to benefit from uh, these programs that are going to be, you know, created during your presence? Mm -hmm. So Biden definitely, um, it's essential that Biden hold his ground because in the past he's been um, definitely just not looking so how he speaks in public and definitely being based on attacks him for that out being made and apparently introducing the socialist programs. He has to stand his ground. And ever since televised presidential debates have been around um, JFK and Nixon, it's important that they have good stage presence. However, that takes most of the time with the actual debate. Do not, don't, don't talk back to what he said before, keep going. But with Biden, it's, but at the same time with Biden, it's important that he hold his stage presence. He's just a he's just a bad debater. Kind of he sucks at talking sometimes, to be honest. But still gonna be paying that much attention to it. But I did notice he does fumble over his words a lot when he speaks. Yeah. And that's essentially normal that people are like, he's he's so old, he doesn't even know how to talk. How is he gonna run a country? Like all that other stuff. So I think he's really trying to this ground for people that like that. Right. Yeah. Not look foolish, you know. It's, not, it's it's really childish that they're being so fickle when this is like yes. but 
this is literally people's futures being that can be affected by. Y'all hear back from music? Yeah. Wait one second. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, take two. But uh, all right. <laughs> Are you gonna cut that part? Probably not. Um, <laughs> yeah, I will. I will. Let's just keep going. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. <laughs> so the next topic that we're discussing is SARS in Nigeria. Okay. All right. Firstly, my heart goes out to all the young adults that were essentially massacred during the Lekki massacre. I think that is crazy. But well, unless you have a question for us, Kristen, because I just stole. Yeah, you just went, you just went like, man. I yeet. Go Actually, I just wanted to know y'all's opinion on it. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. My goes to the um, young citizens that were massacred by the Nigerian um, military recently. And um, we are seeing a lot of this happening, um, a lot of this angst happening worldwide. Kristen just brought up yeah. Belarus to me, and I think that stems into our point like really well because democracy seems to be failing this next generation and mm -hmm. essentially have to try to reform somehow and we're seeing that this militant style of policing isn't necessarily working as people are getting hurt over and over again those the people that were killed in the lucky massacre were unarmed they were essentially just out there protesting for end SARS I don't think anything was happening they were singing and it is open fire and I don't, I don't necessarily think that was right at all yeah. yeah I don't think that was that just that that made the situation a whole lot worse because it's just like you just you proved our point you proved why we were protesting because the the military it should not be this militant the um the feedback that we're getting from protesting should not be this militant um we should be at a general consensus that something needs to change some something needs to change somehow and like I was whole Belarus thing, going back to what I was saying before, um, something has to happen worldwide. These democracies are failing its new and burgeoning citizens and we are not taking the crap. We are protesting a lot more. I'm not sure whether it's because like it's been like mediaized so much that we're just now seeing it, but there's like so many protests happening right now. Like I can't even, I can't on all 10 of my fingers. So that just goes into how democracy is going to look over the next 10 years. And I think people are pushing for a lot of reform. And I think that's really good. Exactly. You're not being quiet anymore. You're not being quiet anymore. And I like that. That's, I like NSARS because of that reason. It mirrors what's happening in America and all over the world. Yeah, yeah. it definitely mirrors what's happening in America. And it's, it's really sad to see that, you know, our country, America, is not only, it's not the only country that goes through social unrest. This happens everywhere. Paris and you know Nigeria and Africa's Belarus Belarus and Africa is notorious for these social injustices you know I mean I can remember you know Nelson Mandela's apartheid period where it felt like you know 
even in our own country, we can't feel, we don't feel safe, you know? And definitely, you know, all those souls in that were lost, God bless them. Yeah. And one thing I wanted to say is, as Gandhi says, society is treated how it treats, society is viewed as how it treats its most vulnerable citizens. And just to see all those people um, be attacked by the Nigerian military was just, it was so obscene, I, I, I couldn't fathom it. And, you know, we, in here, even at Atlanta, that night that they, um, they tased those two college students that were just driving in their cars, there's just a whole lot both sides are afraid of being killed, I, I guess, in a way. No one wants to be attacked, essentially. But we have to, I, I guess, we have to work for more reform because there's just too much fear right now. The military yeah. for the federal government are afraid of being attacked by protesters. And protesters are protesting because they are killing innocent civilians. So going back to what I said before, society is judged by treats its most vulnerable people. Um, that goes back into how we're judging protests right now. Like in America, you know, there's people that don't like protesting because they say it's too anarchist. And you know, you've heard that, right? Yeah. yeah. Shouldn't be those hooligans shouldn't be out in the street and blah blah blah. But change starts from the ground up. Change starts from the ground up. If you want to change these bureaucracy, and um, you can't work within the bureaucracy, you, there has to be a push from, I guess, the bottom of society. There has to be a push from everyday citizens, or else change will not happen. They won't feel the need to because there isn't any pushback. And when I look at everything happening in Belarus, Nigeria, and all the other places, I think we're doing the right thing. And we're doing the right thing. Definitely. And a lot of people right now are arguing that SWAT, the new system that they put in place, is just a renaming of SARS. Yeah. Like they did before. And they've yeah. committed so many crimes against their own people. They've been torturing them. They've been abusing them and killing them. Yes. All because people are protesting the brutality that they are already facing at the hands of police. Yeah. Like they're proving to the world that this is why you guys need to change because yeah. you're, if police were torturing and merciless, mercilessly killing you know, innocent civilians as we can see they are, you know, it, it, it's definitely an eye-opener for to see that this is happening all throughout the world. This isn't just happening in America. This is happening damn near every country in the world. We have to change that. Yeah. And you are tired of a defunct law and order system. That is essentially what it is. So I'm interested to see how this next generation is going to feel compelled to change government. I think in I think in America and especially with countries within the European Union, we're, we're pushing for um, making sure everyone fits in where they can get in. We're, we're focusing on diversifying spaces. We're focusing on seeing representation and we're focusing on listening to people when they are speaking their truth. We, we can't hush people. We can't keep them quiet because when we do, people have been trying to quell the Black Lives Matter movement and the civil rights movement since damn near before the 60s, disquelling Black empowerment. But when you try and do that and when we see pushback from the government, when we see pushback from these institutions, it doesn't fix the problem. Reform is needed or else we're going to see the same thing over and over again. And I am looking forward to what this generation is going to do to make sure that this doesn't happen anymore. Right. Yeah. 
have to break this cycle that has been going on forever. Yeah. And one thing I really liked was how the Afro diaspora um, kind of connected across continents to talk about what was going on. Because yeah. I, Nigerian beauty YouTubers are just beauty YouTubers that are from Africa because they stay popping. You already know what it is. And I was just like, about you guys, I would have never heard this. I'm so glad to, to be hearing about this. And I'm so glad to hear about how you connect to this. So that mm -hmm. just goes listening to people that are um, usually othered. And that goes back into listening to people that you wouldn't have necessarily listened to before these protests and reforms. And I think we need to keep that going because it keeps us open-minded. It's not just about America. It's not just about who I am. It's about what other people are going through. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right. And the next topic that we're talking about is the COVID vaccine. Yeah. So currently, Canada ordered 20 million doses of the vaccine, but they haven't secured it. Trump says by the end of 2020, we should have the vaccine. The UK head of the vaccine tax force said that they should have it ready by Christmas. China and Russia approved some vaccines for limited use. India wants the vaccine. They're in phase three and so is Brazil and Indonesia. And two COVID vaccines were approved by Russia. And there's Sputnik V and the EpiVac Corona, but they haven't gone through phase three yet. Yeah, so it's, it's weird to compare. I like that you mentioned phase three because there are currently 154 vaccines that are only in phase one, which means that they're still like animal testing or non-human testing. And there's only 12 that are like beginning phase three. Um, most of them you literally just mentioned. So mm -hmm. they come from first world countries, obviously. So what I'm mostly worried about is how are we going to dispense the COVID-19 vaccine considering yeah. all these or first world countries what is about what's about to happen is it going to be the expense is it going to be at the expense of poor nations is it going to be at the expense of um people who can't afford health care like who is going to be hurt most by how we dispense yeah. this 19 vaccine so scary definitely I, I i still don't know how this is going to how this vaccine is going to work because of the fact that like ashanti said who is this going to affect the I mean, we all pretty much know like the impoverished people who can't afford health care and all that stuff, they might be affected and still have it. But yeah. I just don't know how, when is it gonna, uh, going to be approved and when will this actually come out? You know, because 2020 has been horrible for everybody. The whole world stopped. So, you know, let's just hurry this up and get on with life, basically. Yeah. Yeah, there's only, um, a, if, including the few that you mentioned, actually, Kristen, about seven, there's only about seven that are actually probably going to get through phase three, which is basically um, mass testing, not within the whole population, but within the thousands of um, populations and people that um, volunteer to get the vaccine. So what I'm really worried about is how people are throwing monies at these corporations are these companies and um, whether or not this is controlling how fast they're going to push out the vaccine and whether yeah. or not it's going to affect the efficacy of the vaccine because you cannot rush science. <laughs> like you can't. Really can't. 
we still so don't have a cure for cancer. So it's just like. Yeah. So we have um, presidents talking about this going to come out before the 1st of November. However, the CDC says and Dr. Fossey says that it might not be within the next 10 to 15 months or the middle of 2021. Stop lying to people. Stop. Yes. It's, it has got to stop. Exactly. You know, like, um, and even in the campaign, both Donald Trump, I mean, Kamala Harris, Biden, all of them are like, you probably woken up, you probably woke up to this morning and have to stare at an empty kitchen table. And we're giving these people false hope, the people that have already lost family members, the people yeah. that are get back to the normal we can't you can't just lie to people like that this is a very depressing time and some of us are just ready to get through this storm but lying about when the vaccine is about to come out is just it's cool it's so cool you know just my biggest fear right now is that they might choose profit over health because they're actually already running some of the phase three vaccines despite not doing that testing right because the adverse effects of it could end up with people dying from it. Right. What if this vaccine wipes out everybody basically? Like it's Yeah. One question I wanted to ask is oh Jordan keep talking. I, I was saying they need more experiments. They need to test this on, you know, animals and all that stuff, even though, you know, I think that's kind of cruel, but we trying to get back to normal. Yeah. One thing I want to ask you guys is who do you think should get the vaccine first? Like not even considering first world nations, like all, like everybody. Hmm. Not not just countries, but like thinking about like groups of people, the elderly, people that are essential to the workforce. Like it's a lot because. I would say people who are essential to the workforce because we do yeah. need them, you know what I'm saying? They are the ones who pretty much make the they've been making the most money out of this whole pandemic then you know of course elderly and everybody else you know what i'm saying now when you ask that question i was saying i was thinking to myself they should do it to the impoverished communities where let's give y'all this vaccine and you know what i'm saying let's make sure that you guys are okay before we move on to the middle and upper class upper echelon people because we all know they got the money to do it you know what i'm saying let's give this to you guys first so that we can make sure that you all are still surviving yeah yeah i know they're probably going to urge people that are like between the ages of like 20 to like maybe 40 people that are in the workforce go get the vaccine because right now a lot of people are pretty skeptical about it for the reasons both of you just mentioned if we're throwing money at it and profit is um before ethics um stuff could go bad and people know that and you might not want to take the vaccine but if you want to um stimulate the economy again and get it back rolling how it needs to um they would probably push the workforce to take the vaccine like yeah. you're going to ads like on damn youtube talking about have you taken the vaccine like because <laughs> like, uh. young people to take it we are the workforce we are the ones that are going to um push the economy back to where it was yeah, yeah. Definitely. Hmm. but yeah i definitely agree the people who are working should definitely get it first because i don't think it would be ideal to give it to the people who already have lower immune systems, such as the elderly or people with less access to resources, because that's just, it's not really logical. Yeah, yeah. 
like especially with how the economy works we need the people that were working before we need them to go back to their jobs and actually feel safe yeah. about it so that's the whole point of pushing people from the ages of like 20 to that like 40 or 50 maybe to get the vaccine like as soon like when it comes back to get things back to normal because they are our normal you know and I, I just realized how essential our everyday workers and doctors and nurses and C and CRNs are they're so valuable and they're so important because they keep the hospitals moving so when you see all these people dying and you see people um not wanting to show up to work because they're tired of seeing people dying in front of their faces it makes the systems less efficient and I really I, I really need them to take this vaccine right wearing these masks like for real yeah I think that do you think people um are just in not having faith in the vaccine or being skeptical to take it I think they're just given the history of vaccines in certain communities like ours yeah because I remember um it was the syphilis thing where literally <laughs> they told us we were getting flu shots and they ended up giving people syphilis back in the day so people do have a reason to be skeptical because oftentimes we were used as experiments yeah we were basically the test subjects to see all right is this gonna work is this gonna kill people oh it is all right let's keep them going like because they don't see these people yeah and yeah so that's also another thing like um we have people taking these trials and i want to know whether or not like whether they are they profiting from this for volunteering or is it just volunteering? Maybe just volunteering. People that profit because what you're talking about, I think it's called the um, Tuskegee experiments. Yes. And they people that they were getting a placebo, but nearly everyone got like, um, was injected with the syphilis strain and they yes. promised they promised their family like free health care and bonds for their children to go to college. And a lot of those people didn't get those things and their husbands ended up dying. So we have this community in Tuskegee like years later that um, years later that are like deeply affected by this from having like mm -hmm. a, a, out of their patriarch killed. Yeah. So um, that's definitely I understand why people would be worried, but still. Was a good right. point. <laughs> Any more thoughts? Nope. All right. So now we're about to talk about the Quibi shutdown. It shut down after like six months of running, and it was mainly just so um, you could watch shows from place to place. But obviously, we're in the middle of a pandemic and everything. People no one's really going everywhere, so like, that's like a business owner's worst nightmare. It's like, oh my god, I create this revolutionary uh, streaming platform that people are gonna, you know, watch every day when they when they go places. And then coronavirus was like, I'm about to end this man's whole career, and then oh. start right now. And yeah, they tried to sell to Netflix, and Netflix wouldn't buy it. I know. Yeah. Because Netflix already has like long um, full content or like um, full streaming services. Yeah. And they also have like short clips, I guess. Like there's this robot TV show. I don't even know what it's called, but they have a variety of like short form um, content. So there would be no point in adopting QB. QB was just an isolated version of what Netflix, Hulu, and all other streaming services are yeah. doing. Right. 
I think Quibi was just too similar to YouTube for me, and it wasn't accessible for all devices, so it wasn't really worth there was it. Yeah, they really don't, they don't the crap out of our generation because there's like, no one wants to watch long, boring movies of actors that no one cares about anymore. <laughs> Here's cute. You don't have to watch minute episode anymore just watch it for like 15 minutes and push your phone away and pick it back up <laughs> but they forget that people can literally hit pause on netflix and hulu and continue yes wasn't chrissy taken in it too huh? wasn't chrissy taken in it too yes yeah, yeah there's oh a show there was like some stalker show that was laughably horrible yes yeah r.i.p quibi yeah, so their, their whole thing was like shorter content for like the mobile generation, but I think they really underestimated our capability to like pay attention. Right. Right. Like they, think, they think our attention spans are so small. It's like, okay, no pause button. Let's just get, you know, put these episodes out and then let's see what these people are thinking. And then like, we smarter than that. You know, we, we're not just glued to these things every day. <laughs> I think they also lost a lot of money because their free trials were just too long. Like, you can't have shows that are literally 10 minutes and expect someone not to finish watching all of them by the time their trial is over. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think they're going, do you think a company is going to try something like this again, even in light of like streaming services already having short form content? I think it might work after the pandemic, but seeing as people aren't very eager to go anywhere, it won't work in this atmosphere. Yeah, because TikTok is like sensational and that is literally the king of short form content. So like exactly like you said, like after coronavirus, people might be into it. Like what's that little what's that girl from TikTok? Christy Diamolo. I don't know her name. You know who I'm talking Barbie about? Diamolo. Harley Diamond, like if she got her own little um QB show, you know, people might want to watch it. Or if Cardi B yeah. got her or if Sweetie got her own QB, you know, people might want to watch it. I would watch it. Yeah. It's like OnlyFans, so you just subscribe to that, but no, I haven't done that. But yeah. Now, do you think a company is like in the future is gonna like maybe pick up QB and rebrand it as something else? Because TikTok was originally I called, I believe, musically. Musically. So, do you think something very similar to that is going to happen in the future? Um, pro yeah, yeah. It's kind of like what you said before. Like after the pandemic, it might have a better success rate. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> on how it depends on how messed up we are after coronavirus, because folks might not even want to be on their phone when they're back into the normal world <laughs> i might not want to people might, I know. People might throw these things away hopefully not because i will be back in the medieval times yeah I, uh, I think, I, keep talking i got information overload so much where i was just i deleted instagram for a while and everything yeah. and i was like you know what the library is a good idea i know yeah. I, I deleted instagram like one time it was just like, it, it felt like I was reborn again. I was like, oh my God. So <laughs> I don't have to look at nothing. <laughs> look at the leaves or something, but it's crazy. Nice walk. I know. Yeah. I guess have we'll a, quick 
I guess we could all meet at like the damn Pacific or Atlantic Ocean and throw all our phones away one day. Maybe that'll be a thing. The no no phone generation. I'm not a fan of polluting the earth. Oh, you're so funny. This will probably kill every fish in the in the sea. Isn't there something in Walmart where you can give your old phones away? Yeah. Yeah. Make money. We could do that. Yeah. Man. I don't know. It's kind of essential to like navigating in this in the United States, so I might have to hold on to it. <laughs> I need to find somewhere to give my glasses away too. Out to me. Yeah. Dang. Well, they obviously yeah. don't work anymore, but you know. Yeah. We were staring at each other. I was like. <laughs> all right so i think we're all done bye all right everybody bye thank you for watching since right. podcast birthday edition i'm jordan along with the shanti and Kristen. we'll see you next time peace peace